0: Sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I'm...
1: wow it's already over all right good morning it is good to see a lot of you here and daddies thank y'all you know i was i was really proud in a good way uh, in the first service to see so many men in the service there and 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 same here we just we're very blessed to have so many men that are that are um uh faithful and coming and bringing their family so we thank you for that If you're a guest today, if this is your first time, maybe, or second time, we'd ask you to please fill out the registration that's on the bulletin that you got and rip that off and put it in the offering plate when it comes around. This week is Man Up. It's the last one for a couple of months. Um, It'll be this Tuesday, um, and at 6.30 is when we begin eating, but they play games before that. We'd encourage you to come, but we would ask that you please sign up some way, uh, let us know that you're going to be there. So we have plenty of food for everyone and there are no activities tonight because father's day, we get to stay home and sleep a little later. (laughs) All right. Glad you're here. Stand up. Welcome somebody around you to church.
2: glad to- So when I Father, Lord, that that is what you want us to do, is, is be a light into this world as we go about our business, and we go about our errands, and we go about our teaching and working, Father, that your light would shine through us so that this dark world could see that there is hope. There is something more, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, number one, and what you do through us, number two. We praise you for this offering time that we could give back to you. We ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: We find of transforming something by making it more pure solid and strong usually done using heat and pressure in order to remove impurities and make the material more pliable the Bible teaches us that refinement is also a spiritual process of change that takes place over time through trials repentance and the work of the Holy Spirit Biblical refinement is grounded in the truth that all humans are created in the image of God and are therefore capable of living a life that reflects God's nature. Through the fires of trials and tribulations, we have an opportunity to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome sin and brokenness and become more like Christ, who is the perfect embodiment of God's character. Refinement will look different for each of us. However, seeking God's guidance and strength through prayer and trusting in his word for wisdom and truth will help us in our transformation journey. Although refinement is not an easy or painless process, it is essential for all believers as we seek in every way to be more like Jesus.
2: Yeah, that refinement hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) But Jesus is gonna refine us if we wanna be more like him. So we gotta withstand the pain and just keep moving on. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Yes.
4: all things new and that we can wake up every morning knowing that your mercies are new every day. and that we can come to you with a clean heart and a, a clean mind and a, a peaceful place, Father, and just knowing that we have a father who loves us. God, I know today, Father, there's people here that have lost their fathers and the Father's day can be a really tough day, but God, I thank you so much that you are the father to the fatherless and that you fill the gaps where our earthly fathers have not been able to fulfill, Father, maybe because they've left. Father, we just pray this morning for those that are here hurting or sad today, that you would give them comfort and peace. And Father, that you would uh, be with them each and every day, especially today, Father. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is Father's Day, and uh
1: I'd like to share a song with you before the message. And, um, you know, over the, over the years, I was thinking about my own dad and I can't believe it's been 52 years since he went to be with the Lord, 52 years. It's over half of a century and, um, never forget the night that he left and, um, over the years, I've s- sang I've sung songs that uh, you know were meant more for Mama, <laughs> and I thought, you know what, this this is one I'm I'm going to do for my dad. He had a they didn't always have it easy growing up back then. Um, when he was 14, his dad was killed, and he had to drop out of school like they all did back then if that happened, and no quote safety net, and had to go to work, and um, they just They grew up rougher than we did, let me tell you, and um, so I just thought about this and the scars that that they carried that we didn't really know anything about because they were all pretty quiet about it, but um, so I just thought, well, this is something maybe if my voice will hold up after both services, I'd be able to share for my dad and let you in on it. If I had only known the last time would be the last time I'd have put off all the things I had to do I'd have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter What I'd give for one more day with you Cause there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing, and they tell me that it's gonna heal in time. But I know you're in a place where all the wounds have been erased. Knowing yours are healed is healing mine. The only scars in heaven won't be long. There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new The thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you No, the road you walked was anything but easy. You picked up your share of scars along the way. Oh, but now you're standing in the sun. You fought your fight and your race is run. Pain is all a million miles away. The only scars in hell. such thing is broken and all the old will be made new the thought that makes me smile now even as the tears fall down the only scars in heaven mm-hmm. from the hands that hold Hallelujah.
5: Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. For the hands that hold you now, there's not a day goes by I don't see you. You still live in all. Better parts of me. Till I'm standing with you in the sun, I'll fight despite this, fight, this race I'll run, till I finally see what you can see. Oh, the only scars in pain. Thing is broken, and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold. Somehow I believe he was there to hear it. All right. Well, if you got your notes, uh, this is the third sermon in the series. We started on some of the difficult sayings of Jesus, countercultural, upside down sayings. And we, we covered marriage. And then last week we covered anger. And today's message has a title that you may say, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Forgive, but don't forget. Well, that's not what we're taught, is it? We're taught forgive and forget. But at the end of the message, about the last one minute, I'm going to explain to you what we mean by that. You'll probably already have figured it out. But forgive, but don't forget. Would you agree that people are weird? No, th- really? How many think I'm weird? Oh, don't like that. How many of you think that while other people are weird, you're pretty normal? Yeah. All right, well, I want to begin the message by getting it out in the front and setting a premise, and that is that every one of us is flawed, every one of us, we're strange, and every one of us, we have an inner weirdo, really, that that, that we have to deal with. You may appear normal on the outside, but when people get to know you, then they know it's probably different. Um, As a matter of fact, Turn to the person next to you and say, you're weird. Tell them they're weird. You're weird. Yeah. Some of you, some of you have been waiting your whole life to say that in church. You got to say it. Okay. Well, you take the fact that we are all weird and that relationships are very difficult. Would you agree with that? They're hard, they're painful, they're messy. And then you add to the fact that there's about 8 billion of us running around this globe. And it's amazing to me that we haven't done more damage than what we've already done. Fortunately, God understands that we as humans, we're in constant need of a a relationship bypass. And I actually think that that's one of the reasons that God gave us uh, his love letter, the Bible, so that we could see how real people really are. Now, if you've read your Bible from the very beginning, there are some of the wackiest people you've ever read about in your life beginning at the very start. Now, the Bible doesn't start with these spiritual giants and then move down to us abnormal people. It doesn't do that. I mean, right from the very beginning is weird. For instance, Cain. Cain, the first person born on the face of the earth, what did he do? Killed his brother, right? And then you get to Noah, uh, the Bible says, was one of the most righteous men of his generation. And then later on, he gets naked in front of his kids. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in Sunday school, I never saw that on a flannel graph of Noah (laughs) doing that. Then there's a guy named Lot. Uh, Lot had some guys over to his house and some of the men from Sodom came around and they said, you send them out here, we want to abuse them. And Lot said, no, here's my daughters, you can abuse them. No, seriously. And then I ain't going to tell you what happened at the end of his life, but I'll guarantee you, you never see Lot on a Father's Day card anywhere. Isaac, Isaac played favorites between Jacob and Esau. That resulted in about a 20 year uh, bad uh, feeling between families, caused a lot of problems. Then, when Jacob becomes a dad, he does about the same thing and starts playing favorites with one of his boys, Joseph. And the other boys get, the other 10 get mad and they want to kill him. They end up selling him. And, folks, when all that, and you're still in Genesis. I mean, really. You know, I'll stop there because it almost is getting like one part Sunday school and two part Survivor and three part Jerry Springer. It really does get that way. Seriously. But the bottom line is this. Relationships have been messed up since day one. And guess what? They still are. And we need help. And so why does God want us to know about all this kind of stuff? Well, we're looking at these radical teachings of Jesus where he took what we would think is normal and kind of flipped it upside down and it became radical. Now, one of the differences is in our culture today, when we as believers, when we as Christians follow the Lord, we don't go out robbing and stealing and burning and looting and do all that stuff. When we follow Jesus, it, it will cause a different kind of a lifestyle. But the reality is, when I see our culture today, most people just don't want to follow the teachings of Jesus because they are radical to them. So, having said that, we're going to look at a very popular, famous passage, in fact, several, but we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus summarizes the question of what is the most important. So here's what he says. They said to him, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now notice, then he goes on to say, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor." as yourself. Now, you know what? It hit me this week. Um, for the first time, he didn't ask that. He said, which is the most important? But it was Jesus who lumped them together. It was Jesus who made them both of equal importance. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. That's the whole deal, isn't it? Love God and love others. As a matter of fact, that is God's invitation to us of how to live a great life. See, if you want to have a, a, a great life in the Lord, both of those have got to be clicking in your life. You've got to love the Lord, and you've got to at the same time, love others. While you are working on your relationship um, with God, you're also working on a relationship with other people. I mean, you, can't, you cannot say, I'm working on my love for God. But at the same time, I'm harboring all this anger and resentment toward people. It doesn't work that way. You don't come to church and sing songs like, I love you, Lord, but I hate her guts. (laughs) And I'd like to slash his tires after church. That's not what you do. Listen, I want you to write it down. Seriously, write it down. Upside down living is when I'm right with God and others. When I'm right with God and others. Well, what is the secret to that? Well, the answer to that question is really what is foundational and fundamental in the entire Bible. I told you this last week. Perhaps the greater than the, the word that everything in the Bible centers around is the word forgiveness. So if I want a right relationship with God, what do I do? I ask for forgiveness, right? Okay, if I want a right relationship with God, what do I do? I ask for forgiveness. Who do I ask it from? From God. Yeah, well, you are quiet today for some reason. You must think I'm going to be pulling your leg on this thing. No, with, uh, with, with forgiveness, I'm asking God. So I have a right relationship with God when I ask for forgiveness. Next thing to write down, I can have a right relationship with others when I offer forgiveness. When I ask for forgiveness, when I offer forgiveness. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit about both of those, but I'm going to emphasize the second one, a right relationship with other people, okay? And I I offer forgiveness, folks, because I believe you'd also agree that most of the heartbreak and the stress and the damage in life is as a result of people in our life that we have bad relationships. I mean, just this week I was reading about a guy obviously having marital problems, and he's sitting in the living room and uh, reading the paper, and his wife comes up to him, and she's got one of those uh, copper frying pans you see on TV, and she takes that thing, and kapow, that's the side of the head as hard as she can. I mean, knocked him almost out, and when he kind of got his senses about it, he said, what in the world, what was that all about? She says, well, I was doing laundry, And I was cleaning out our pockets, and I found a piece of paper in your pocket, and it had the name Mary Lou on it. He said, what what are you doing? Don't you understand that just two weeks ago I went to the horse track, and Mary Lou's the name of the horse I was betting on. And, oh, she felt terrible. She apologized, and, you know, I'm sorry I blew this out of proportion. And so a few days later, he's sitting in the chair again. She comes in and kapow, nearly killed him. And he said, What is that all about? She said, Your horse just called you. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Well, offering forgiveness, folks, listen, when you've been damaged, offering forgiveness is difficult to do. Amen? It is. Asking forgiveness when I've hurt somebody, that's tough to do. But I mean, to offer forgiveness, and we're going to talk about the other another time, maybe another message, but here's what Jesus talked about. And he's saying, you don't do this later. You don't do this someday. You don't do it when you you feel like it. I've told you, you need to have things right with other people. Then he says, I want you to get this now. So let's go to something else that he said, Matthew chapter 5. Folks, this would clear out most churches today. A lot of people would have to leave for a while and then come back. If you're standing before the altar in a temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that somebody has something against you, leave your sacrifice beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then, come and offer your sacrifice to God. That's pretty radical, isn't it? Folks, it really is. I mean, what Jesus is saying is it's not just the love God thing that you need to do. He said, as a matter of fact, if you go to church and you're there in church and you all of a sudden remember, um, you know, you're going to be offering a sacrifice and you remember that you're broken with somebody else, you need to leave church and go home and take care of that. How else am I to interpret that? Folks, this is radical. That's why it's always quiet. It's radical. And then not only does the Lord say, this is what I want you to do, and this is when I want you to do it, he also says this, this is how often I want you to do it. Let's go on to Matthew 18. Peter, one of the closest disciples, comes to him and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, a lot of you that know your Bible and, 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 and understand, you know this, but a lot of you don't, that in the culture of that day, they were taught, the Jewish people were taught by the rabbis, you are to forgive people three times. You only need to forgive them three times. So Peter thinks he's been big. You know, here's the Jesus and he's merciful and gracious and forgiving. So Lord, what if I do seven times? I'm going to double it and throw in one for extra. And what did Jesus say? No. No. 70 times seven. Now, some of you are saying, oh, 490 times. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's no limit to how often we are to forgive someone. So, what are these radical statements of Jesus? Let me summarize quickly before we move on. If you want to live right... If you want to live a life to the fullest and get right with God and get right with others, then you've got to take care of this stuff now, do it as soon as possible, keep doing it every day if you need to, and do it all the time for the rest of your life. Did you get that? Folks, that's what forgiveness is all about. How do we do that? Well, what happens when I don't forgive? You see, I'm guessing that probably about 80% of us in here that um, when I bring up something like this, a name comes into your mind. You know, somebody or something comes into your mind. But I also know that there is always a smaller, hopefully, percentage of people who just want to blow a message like this off. And it will actually say, I don't want to forgive. I've had people say that. I don't want to forgive them. It was too big, it was too deep. Are you listening? Let me tell you a few things that happen when you choose not to forgive. All right? Are you listening? All right. Number one, when I don't forgive, number one, I am disobeying God's instructions. I'm disobeying God's instructions. Now, you may be like, well, that's no big deal. What's new? I disobey God all the time and don't really care that much about it, preacher boy. You know? I mean, you know, well, here's what I want to do. If you feel that way, I want to put you on hold for about three minutes and then I'll come back to you. But for if you're here and you do care about forgiveness and you do care about whether you're disobeying God or not, um, you know that forgiveness is not an option, right? It is not an option. Um, the Lord doesn't give us just like, uh, don't commit adultery and don't murder and so forth. This is a command. Um, and, and, and here's the deal. Just like those other things are commands. Don't do this. Don't that. This is a choice. Amen. Forgiveness is a choice of obedience. Unforgiveness is a choice of disobedience. Obeying God is an act of your will. And so listening to these radical statements of Jesus and aligning your life with what he says is an act of your will. It is not based on how you feel. And I will be honest with you folks. I don't care who you are, a pastor or whatever. Whenever you're initially hurt, I don't want to forgive them right off the bat. You know, you say, well, you're a preacher. You ought to know, no, no, no. I mean, when somebody hurts you right off the bat, you don't say, oh, I forgive you, blessed one. Let's go have iced tea together. Uh, we don't do that. But if I'm going to be obedient to God, then whether I feel like it or not, I forgive as an act of the will because it is a decision that I make to do. Not that I feel like doing it. Now, those of you that I put on hold that had all the bad attitude about instru- <laughs> you're back in the game. Here's the deal. You may not care about obeying God's instructions, but there are other things, if you choose not to forgive, that are going to happen to all of us. But listen to this. Number two, when you don't forgive, your anger is going to be intensified. Your anger is going to be intensified. Now, if you were here last week, you know I preached on anger. If you weren't, you need to go and listen to that. But actually, you know, when I, if you remember at the end of the message, I told you that there's something I'm not telling you. I'm leaving it out so that you'll have to come back next week. And it was very simply this, that whenever you do not forgive, you are missing a big part of the, what the Bible says about anger, and that is it will become more and more intense in your life. And you will become what I picture as a human being walking around like a porcupine. And you're just sticking people everywhere you go. Front, behind, it just, you're, you're throwing things out. You can almost tell when you're having any kind of a significant conversation with somebody if they're harboring resentment or anger or unforgiveness. Pretty easy to tell at times. So, I disobey God when I don't you know, forgive. My anger is intensified. And then number three, you relive painful experiences. Over and over, you relive them. How many of you have ever been hurt by other people? I don't mean they just annoyed you. I mean they hurt, okay? We all have painful experiences, and I want you to think about that. Listen, when you don't forgive, when things hurt you really, really bad, you can relive that over and over. Listen, there are there are certain smells that bring back memories to you. There are names that bring back memories to you. I, uh, one, of, one of the pastors is, name is Doug Fields, used to be out at Saddleback, and uh, I was looking through my 1001 illustrations, that's what we, pastor, that's how we get these stories, 1001 illustrations, but I couldn't find anything in this area, so I was reading one of his sermons, and he was talking about how back when he was in the sixth grade, there was a boy named Rick that stole his bicycle, and he said it wasn't a Schwinn or not. there was, anybody remember the Huffies, he had a huffy bicycle, and and Rick stole that bicycle, and he said, I hated him uh, for, for that. He said, I was so thrilled when he got caught, and I was thrilled when they punished him, but I hated him for that. He said, now go forward many, many years, and I'm interviewing for a, a job at a church in California, and the, the pastor's name is Rick. And the music leader's name is Rick, Rick Mutchow. And he said, believe it or not, those thoughts first came to my mind about the guy that stole my bike. Have you ever done that? Somebody in your life that, that it brings back a memory, you know, and you, you, you kind of start reliving that all again. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, that's stupid. You know what? I wonder if God thinks it's stupid when we don't forgive. And we relive those experiences over and over again. Let me ask you a question. When you relive the pain, who is it that's hurt? Yeah, you are. I've, I've told you this many times, that when, whenever that happens, the other person or people, they're out there enjoying life. They're maybe on, you know, going somewhere on vacation and just having a good time, and you're there trapped in your own sewer. You know, and all that raw sewage is running through your veins and, and gets into your heart. And, and, and that's what happens when you relive those experiences without forgiveness. Now, you know what's interesting and sad that I found with a lot of people? And Pastor Brian, I'm going to get you to tell me later if I'm on track with this or not. But I know, I know there's people that do this. I just don't know how prevalent it is. But some people, and maybe some of you in here right now, if you were to forgive somebody Really forgive them. It would be so hard for you because that's your story. You know, that's your, that's your identity. That, that's who you've become. I mean, when you retell the story to other other people, you become, you become center stage, and you get sympathy, and you get attention. It's kind of like your crutch. It's almost like you enjoy it because you don't know who you would be without that hatred. Amen? Is that right? That can happen. Are you listening? It will cost you to forgive. Did you know that? If you're gonna forgive, it'll cost you. But listen to this it'll cost you more if you don't forgive. And it will cost you your heart. Now, let's go to another difficult saying that Jesus had. I was gonna leave this out, and I thought, no, you know, I'm not teaching them my opinion. Nothing I've told you is my opinion. I've told you what Jesus said. And now we're going to look at something else, another cost that's not just relational, but spiritual, because here's what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. That's a big price tag. It costs to forgive. Now, I can think of, all of you can think of somebody, you say, boy, I got a friend, they really need to hear that message. You know, I I know somebody that I've known almost my entire life, and they come to church here twice maybe a year. And if I were to have called him last week and said, so and so, I want you to come to church this week, man, I'm going to be talking about sex. He'd have probably said, okay, I'll be there. But if I said, no, I I was lying to you, I was just trying to get you there, the truth is I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. I'll guarantee you the words would have been, Lloyd, I told you to quit talking about that because I already told you I can't forgive her. I can't forgive her. You ever said that? I can't. Because when that friend, and I count on a friend, would say, I can't forgive her, what I hear is, I won't forgive her. I I just won't. So how do we get past that stubbornness? How, How can I begin? I want to give you a few things here. Very practical. We're going to get very practical now. But how can I begin to forgive? Are you ready? Number one, identify the people that hurt you. Write them down. Shouldn't hope it's not a big list, but write it down. It may be a family. It may be one person. Identify the people that hurt you. They're the ones that that you don't want to forgive. Write the name down. Maybe they abused you. Maybe it's the name of the pastor that makes you raise your hand in front of hundreds of people. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you will get that later. But these are the people who are causing you to disobey God's instructions. These are the people that's intensifying your anger. These are the people that are causing you to relive painful experiences over and over. So write it down. Number two, a little more difficult. Determine what do they owe you? What do they owe you? I I do it all together, right? What they owe you. Now, just imagine, what if we could arrange a meeting between you two, whoever that person is? What if we could arrange a meeting and one of us would be like a mediator there? What would you say if I said, all right, what do they owe you? Well, they owe me an apology. Well, they owe me an explanation. They owe me a marriage. They owe me my childhood. They owe me $1,000. They owe me one of my family members. They drove carelessly and killed one of my family members in a car wreck. What do they owe you? What do you feel has been taken from you? Folks, don't, don't pretend. i I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to pretend. I'm asking you to be very specific. So, you identify who it is, You try to identify what do you really believe? What inside do you think they owe you? And then number three, don't worry about one and two. If you say, I'm not going to do number three, and that is this, you must cancel their debt. You must cancel their debt. Folks, because they do owe you something, forgiveness will get rid of a legitimate debt. Are you listening? This is not going to settle the issue of blame or what's fair. When you cancel a debt, you are basically saying, I am letting go of my right to hurt you. I'm letting go of my right to get revenge. I'm letting go of my right to see you get hurt. You don't owe me anymore. That's what canceling a debt is. I mean, you could take that name and what you think they owe you, you could take that thing and go have a burial or burn it or something. Cancel the debt. Now, I know for some of you, I, I, I triggered anger even probably then. And you're saying, no, no, I'm not, no. They owe me. Well, I know they owe you. I know that. But they're not going to pay you back. They can't pay you back. And an apology is, is not going to erase what happened. That person can't return your job to you. They can't return your family or your husband, ex-husband or wife to you. And listen, not only do you have to cancel this, but you may have to cancel it more than once. It may be something that you, when it comes up, nope, I got rid of that. Nope, Lord Jesus, I gave that to you. And you give it to him over and over. And allow God's spirit to to weave in your heart and to take an act of your will of, of forgiveness so that you can then be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. I'm guessing most of you have heard of Charles Manson and his killings. Well, there was a man that was involved with him named Charles Watson. They called him Tex, Charles Tex Watson. And he went to prison, they caught him. And while he was in prison, he began one of those pen pal type relationships with a woman named Susan from New Mexico. And in this pen pal relationship that lasted two years, he wrote out for her at her request everything about his life from the time when he was a young young boy, and then how p- people got him into drugs and he started taking them, and how then that they gave that Manson and them gave him and others uh, zombie like induced drugs to really put them in another realm, and they would go out and do his killing for him. And he was caught. He was going to prison for life. Uh, was put on death row. He became a Christian, a believer, in, in the prison in California and became the chaplain of that prison. Tex did. So for two years, they had this pen pal relationship. And then Susan said, I'm coming to California for a vacation. I would love for us to arrange to just meet you face to face. They arranged the visit. Susan sat in front of Tex. And she said, I want you to share with me verbally your testimony that you wrote out. I want to hear it from you. And she said he began, and for 45 minutes, he told her everything from five years old and the beatings and, and the, given the drugs at five by family all the way up through. And had to stop, she said, over and over just because he was so, just bawling his eyes out. And whenever... They were done. If you've ever been visited in the prison, they either have a whistle or a bell or something that tells you there's five minutes and then you got to get out. So it warns you to get out. So they they blew the five-minute whistle. And here's what Susan said. Tex, I didn't think I was going to tell you this when I came, but I'm going to tell you. My parents were Lino and Rosemary LaBianca, and you killed my mom and dad. And I want you to know I have forgiven you. Now, that's canceling a debt. To forgive someone is to set a prisoner free and then realize that prisoner was me that you set free. Folks, I don't think this is simple. Please don't think that I think this is simple. It is not. But it will cost you. Listen, it costs Jesus his life. And it cost God his only son so that we could become like him. Colossians 3, Paul says you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember. Now, let me tell you. In fact, you can write this one down, your last fill in the blank. We need to be focusing more on the person that paid such a high price to forgive you. And while you're writing that down, let me tell you, we have grown up in a society that says, forgive and forget. But Paul said in that scripture, and the Bible says, no, forgive, but don't forget. Forgive, but don't forget what Jesus did for you forgive, but don't forget the cross. Forgive, but don't forget God's love and forgiveness for you. Let's pray. Lord, would you give a lot of folks in here the courage to forgive someone that's hurt them. They need your strength to cancel that debt just like you did the debt that we owe. And it might be that they've carried it around for so long, so long, that it really has become part of who they are. And they don't know if they can do it. And they can't. But you can. If you're sitting here today and you've never asked God to forgive you of your faults, he's waiting for you just to come to him and tell him. He wants to be right with you, but he wants you also to be right with others. Again, you become right with God by confessing that you need him and allowing him to forgive you of your sin. That's the only way you can have a perfect relationship with a perfect holy God. Is through forgiveness through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, please do that now. And if you have, would you move beyond if you need to to offering forgiveness to others who have offended you. Lord, we don't want to live in a prison like this any longer. A prison of revenge and bitterness and anger and hatred. May we forgive because we've been forgiven. Just out of curiosity, there's no one looking around. Everyone's head is bowed and eye is closed. Is there anyone that this sermon today meant something to you? Like, I, I got to take care of some things. Anyone at all? Would you raise your hands? Any all? Oh. Oh, gosh, all over. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, goodness, thank you. Then we're going to take a minute and just ask you to pray. In your mind, you can name their name. You can, in your mind, say what you think they owe you. then you can look at the cross and tell them they're free because you're free. Lord, thank you for the honesty and the time that we've been able to spend together ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all. Daddies, thank you for coming. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Stay safe. Hope to see you next Sunday.